<laughs> Merry Christmas family and friends. I hope you're having a blessed day so far. And it's so good to see all the friends and family from far and wide. And a big thank you to our guest band. Won't you just give them a hand? Thank you guys. I decided to give Benji a break this morning. If you're wondering who's uh, Benji, it's my John Mayer signature guitar. <laughs> the wife knows how I don't like playing Christmas carols. So if you have your Bibles with me, please turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. And when you're there, please give me an amen. Amen. What a special day. Yes. I almost felt like uh, getting up here this morning and saying, He is risen. But then I realized, oh, it's the wrong day. <laughs> Amen. And so it was in Luke chapter 2 that the angel came to, to Mary and said to Mary, On this day, in the city of David is born to you the rule of Israel, Jesus who is the Christ. Amen. And when he uttered those words, he uttered the fulfillment of an 800 year prophecy that was spoken by Micah chapter 5 verse 2 when God spoke and said, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are little amongst the thousands of Judah, but from your going out shall come one who will be the ruler of Israel, whose going forth is from on old, from everlasting. And so we're in John chapter 1, and I want you to read with me from verse 14. And the word became flesh. Say that with me. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The proper term that translators prefer instead of the word dwelt is the word tabernacle because it paints the picture of God dwelling amongst us in his Shekinah glory. And John says we beheld his glory. The Greek term beheld does not simply mean to look upon but it means to look upon in amazement, to look upon in wonder. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. That word begotten does not mean born of the Father. It simply means the unique, special Son of the Father. Full of grace and truth. And the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us, and we beheld his glory in wonder. The glory is of the only unique Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Amen. I have the 
dangerous task of trying to get you here or get you out of here in the next 25 minutes so pray for me pray pray very hard <laughs> my wife uh, please uh, my timekeeper uh, please will you buzz me my phone's on the other side but just give me some kind of indication so if everything goes wrong you know who to blame can we pray heavenly father we thank you for such a time where we get to reflect and celebrate the love that you offered so freely a love that you gave so unrestrained in sending your son i thank you lord that we could treasure these times commemorate these times as a family sharing the gift of love and giving of gifts but we thank you most of all for the indescribable gift the gift of your son jesus christ and your word said says in romans that he who did not spare his own son but who offered him up for us all how shall he not with him freely give us all things and so we thank you for the gift of your son we thank you for the gift of eternal life and we thank you for the gift of family here this morning in jesus mighty name and everybody says amen amen the word became flesh i like how the message bible puts it it says the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood the christmas story is typically told and rehearsed with all the characters you know mary and joseph the stars and the angels the songs of the choir of heaven's singers and the gifts of frankincense and myrrh we told about the baby in the manger the stable we told about the inn we told about the place uh, in where christ was born but when you look at the comparison of the gospels when you look at the gospel of mark mark begins his gospel in a very different way he doesn't tell us the story of jesus birth but he starts his gospel with john the baptist and jesus in the middle of his ages a mature man and then we get to matthew where matthew begins his gospel and starts with the genealogy but the genealogy takes us back to abraham the father of faith and then he goes on to tell us the story of jesus's birth and when we look at the gospel of luke luke is meticulous because by trade and profession he is a medical doctor and so luke begins with the story of zachariah and elizabeth the family of joseph and mary and then he begins to unravel a detailed comprehensive story of the birth of jesus and then he gives us the genealogy of christ but takes us way back to the original son of god adam but when we get to the gospel of john it seems that john is almost saying to each gospel writer friends you didn't go back far enough in your genealogy because in the beginning 
was the word. And so John's story of Christmas excludes the characters of Christmas. Joseph and Mary, the angels and the songs. He excludes all the features of the Christmas story. But that doesn't make the Gospel of John any less a story of Christmas. Amen. Yes. And so from the outset, John sets out his Gospel in the most dramatic framework. He plunges us straight into the profound mysteries of Christ. And he says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the world was made through Him. And nothing that was made was made without Him. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness comprehends it not. Now there was a man named John who was sent by God. He was sent to bear witness, to testify of the light. He was not that light, but came to testify of that light. That light which shines into the world and gives light to men. And then he goes on and he says that he was in the world and the world was created by him and yet the world did not know him for he came unto his own and his own received him not but as many as have received him as many as have received him he's given the right to become children of God as many as would believe on his name Born not of the will of man, not of flesh and blood, but born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten. And John came testifying and said, this is he who comes after me, but is preferred before me because he existed before me and all this fullness we have received grace for grace for the law came through moses but grace and truth came through jesus christ the son of god and no one has seen god at any time except the son who was in the bosom of the father he has declared him to us he plunges us straight into the profound mysteries of the Godhead. Unravels the mysteries of Christ. John's prologue sets the tone and framework for everything else he's about to say. John, the son of Zebedee, is a master wordsmith. A master writer. And so he carefully and intentionally constructs the opening of his letter in such a way that he grabs the attention of the universal world. 
he grabs the attention of the Jew and the Hebrew because he utters the words in the beginning was the word he echoes the opening statements of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and so he calls for the attention of the Jewish mind furthermore to speak of the word in relation to creation makes absolute perfect sense to the Jew because the Jews knew in the Torah that creation took place as a result of God's word and the speaking of God and so while Genesis refers to God's work in the beginning of creation John refers to God's word before the creation so he arrests the Jewish mind he calls for the attention he says in the beginning was the word but he takes it even further because the Jews in that time spoke the Greek language and so he doesn't just say in plain old English in the beginning was the word no he says in the beginning was the logos in the beginning was the logos now he has the attention of the Greek world logos not only means word reason or logic but the term logos has its roots and origin in ancient Greek philosophy it was the Stoic philosophers who originally coined the term logos and they employed the term logos to define and describe the principle that structured the universe the principle and concept that is responsible for everything being in existence so when you use the term logos to the Greeks they understood that logos is the Big Bang logos is the reason why we are all here today this abstract principle that we cannot define and cannot make sense of is the reason why the world and universe and stars exist today logos was the soul of the universe and what does John do John borrows a philosophical term and he impregnates it with theology he takes as it were a theological ball and he bounces it in the courts of philosophy and he arrests the Greek mind and he declares to the Greek world that the Logos that you speak of is not a principle it's a person and the Logos you speak about is not a concept it is the Christ that the Logos is not some abstract force governing the universe but the Logos is the Son of God who was appointed the heir of all things who is the express image of God who is the brightness of the glory of the Father who is the one who holds all things together by the word of his power 
And all things were made through him and for him and by him. And nothing that was made was made without him. He is the Logos. He is the one who purged our sins. And after purging our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He is the one who on the way to Golgotha, who on the way to the cross, declared no one takes my life. But I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I have the power to take it back. Because the Father has commanded so. He is the one who after the third day of being crucified, dead and buried, he rose again, defeating death and the grave, pulling the sting out of, out of death and robbing the grave of its boast. And Peter said, let all the house of Israel know this assuredly, that God has made this same Jesus whom we have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He is the reason for our existence. And so John goes on to say that this word who was at the beginning was responsible for our existence. This word became flesh. John stated the most profound and scandalous of all truths. More stranger than, than fiction. That the creator of the universe, the Logos, became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. The fact that a transcendent, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, and omnipresent God would confine himself and wrap himself in a vulnerable little infant that needs to be nursed and fed is a scandal that the universe has not fully grasped. There's no mystery like this mystery in fact Paul said in 1st Timothy 3 verse 16 he said for without controversy great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifested in the flesh justified by the spirit seen by angels preached on among the nations believed on in the world and received up in glory this is a great mystery a mystery that holds up the entire gospel message of the kingdom that the word became flesh that god was manifested in the flesh that god became a human paul goes on to tell us in philippians chapter 2 in trying to illustrate this mystery he said christ who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he divested himself. He emptied himself. Other translations say he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the likeness of men, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death 
of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The one with whom no infinitudes could hold became a man. God who without ceasing to become God became what he created in order to reconcile him to reconcile us to himself this gospel family is not cheap this love came at a price if we neglect so great a salvation hebrew writer says how how shall how shall we escape and so Christ emptied himself and theologians refer to it as the kenosis and he emptied himself in three ways firstly he did not lay aside his deity he did not stop being God when he became a man he voluntarily accepted the limitations of being a human until the day he was resurrected and ascended he did not lose any of his divine attributes but voluntarily and temporarily restricted them for a period of time that's why Colossians says in chapter 2 and verse 9 that in Christ dwelt the fullness of the Godhead and deity in bodily form Thirdly, his glory was hidden and concealed during the time of his sojourn on earth. By taking on the form of flesh, he wrapped and concealed his glory. And so in John chapter 17, he prays to the Father, and this is known as the Lord's Prayer. Not our Father, our Father is the prayer for the disciples and the, and the believers. But in John 17, we rightfully have the Lord's Prayer and Jesus praying and he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Oh, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I have had before the world existed. So he willingly laid down his glory. Now I want you to imagine, imagine this, and I'm going to say this almost in closing. That God's love is so great for you. And His mercy is so rich. And His desire to have you as His own is so unrestrained that He became the thing that He created. He performed the most lowliest, condescending act of all existence. So scandalous that God who was surpassing and supreme in all his ways would stoop down low in the muck and mire and become a man. So when we speak 
about Jesus Christ, we speak about the condescension of God and the exaltation of man. And the psalmist said in Psalm 18, he said, He stoops low to make me great. And that's what he did. The hymn writer Henry Bramley said, in his beautiful hymn, he said, The great God of heaven is come down to earth. His mother virgin and sinless his birth. The Father eternal, his Father alone. He sleeps in the manger, he reigns on the throne. Lo, Emmanuel is here, here is the child. The son that was promised to Mary so mild. Whose power and dominion shall ever increase. The prince that shall rule over a kingdom of peace. The wonderful counselor, boundless in might. The father's own image, the beam of his light. Behold him now wearing the likeness of man. Weak, helpless and speechless in measure a span. O wonder of wonders, which none can unfold. The ancient of days is an hour old. The maker of all things is made of the earth. A man is worshipped by angels and God has come to earth. He became what we are so that we, he can make us what he is. Second Corinthians chapter 5 says, He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. The Son of God became a son of man that the sons of men can become the sons of God. A woman cried out once in Luke chapter 11 and raised her voice and said to Jesus, Blessed is the womb that bore you. It's Pastor Billy's favorite verse. Say, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that gave you suck. And Jesus turned around and said to her, How much more blessed is he who hears the word of God and does it. The purpose for why he came and the purpose for the incarnation is the indwelling of Christ. Can I say that again? The purpose of the incarnation of Christ is and has always been the indwelling of Christ. He wants to live in your heart. He wants you to experience His power. He wants you to know by experience and acquaintance, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Amen. Can we stand, family? Every eye closed as we pray and close this morning. And I just want to remind you that there's no darkness that it won't light up. There's no mountain he won't climb up coming after you. There's no wall he won't kick down and no lie he won't tear down coming after you. 
God sent his son on the ultimate rescue mission to seek and save that which was lost. And so I want to ask you this morning, do, do you know him as a savior? Have you repented and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you born again? Do you have a relationship with God? It'll be such a tragedy if he came all the way for you for you to neglect so great a salvation Come on. the road to hell and the Christless eternity is paved by negligence so I want to challenge you this morning this is the reason for the season that we may know him, the one who sent him. This is eternal life. Can we pray? Father, thank you for a time in your presence where we could hear your word.